Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie. Low cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Very good morning, Sean. How are you? I'm good, Ken. I'm very, very good. I've been... uh chasing you there on Facebook and all that you're, you're at the big profe- <laughs> professional snooker competition in, in the UK I suppose without going in I had a good look at the this one semi-final last night but I have to yeah. ask you about the the beating that poor old Ronnie O'Sullivan got during the week 6-0 yeah. whitewash did you ever get one Ken? <laughs> <laughs> I've got pl- hey listen I've got plenty of them over the years yeah but uh, Ronnie's one was quite unusual because he was on a 16 match uh, unbeaten run and uh, he hasn't played in many events this year, but the events that he has played in, uh, Shanghai Masters, Masters in London, uh, the UK Championship, of course, and then uh, the Grand Prix, he, he won them all, like, you know, so he's won four tournaments already. So he's been on a, a 16 match unbeaten run, uh, but it came to uh, a stuttering halt against uh, Mark Selby, <laughs> one of his old adversaries, who he used to uh, he used to call him the torturer at times, you know, <laughs> because he, he was a totally different player, different, the way he plays the game, different character to Ronnie. And uh, yeah, beat him 6-0. It was a big, big surprise because Selby himself hasn't had his hands on a trophy in a little over a year. And uh, everybody was a huge crowd. It was, it was a sellout and everybody was expecting an O'Sullivan win. But it just didn't, he didn't get he didn't get off the ground running and Selby uh, was seemed to be back to his best. So yeah, big, big shock for O'Sullivan. But uh, Selby marches on. He He's does. in the semi-final tonight. He yeah. is, yeah. And I just saw now, I, I have to confess, I, I watched Ali Carter and, and Mark Allen last night to, when it went to trio, yeah. but I was switching in and out to watching Shamrock Rovers and Shells playing. So I missed oh, it. But, yeah, but it yeah, was a 6-3 yeah. win for, for, for Mark Allen, the Northern Ireland lad. Uh, how how did he finish that out? I mean, you know, did a better yeah, play win, obviously, in Stoker well. than it does. He yeah. played yeah, he played very, very well in the end. Um, and against uh, Ali Carter, who's been very, very consistent this year, he's been to a couple of finals, lost in that final to Ronnie O'Sullivan, you know, quite controversially as well. They were sort of bickering between yeah. themselves. But uh, uh, now Carter's been playing well, but he just didn't, uh, he couldn't uh, reproduce that sort of form against Alan. Alan's been having a really consistent season, champion of champs, uh, champs and and then of course the, the shootout win as well so but he's been very consistent there thereabouts up to number three in the world now yeah. and uh, he's becoming uh, well he is already now one of the best players in the world a dominating performance again last night he's already into the final on Sunday where he will possibly be meet uh, Selby or, or Zhang Ande who disposed of four time world champion John Higgins yesterday, another shock. I result. saw that, and and just tell us about this Shang Anda fella. He's a, 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 a Chinese young boy. Um, he's hitting the yeah. scenes. Is he? Is he good? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Like a couple of years ago, he was floating around like the 
64. It just about stayed on tour. Uh, there's a cutoff at 64. It's only 28 players on tour, but you have to be inside the top 64. Yeah. Otherwise, you drop off the tour and have to re-qualify. And he was sort of bordering on dropping off the tour. Um, but since then, he, he lost in the final uh, of the English Open to Judd Trump when he was 7-3 up, lost 9-7. And then he went out to beat Ronnie O'Sullivan. Then he went out to China and he won the International Open. Now, this nice. is a guy who's had no form at all He's been to the final of one. He's won another. He made a one four seven in the final. He's already in the semi-final of this, beating his hero, John Higgins. And he's up into the top 16. And it's just amazing yeah. how quickly, you know, your life can turn around, yes, you course, know, yeah. uh, at this level of sport, you know, by just sticking with it, uh, keep the set down, keep practicing. And it just shows you, I think, a lot of uh, the strength and depth within the sport as well. I sure. mean, this would never have probably happened you know, 10 years ago or 15 years true, ago. But true. there's so many good players now down the end of the line uh, that if they get a few results, a bit of confidence, um, it shows you what they can and do. Tell, and tell he, and he's, he's reaping the rewards for that now, you know. Yeah, and tell us, how do you think he'll do against Selby? If the say Mark Selby comes out that, that came out against Ronnie O'Sullivan, he doesn't stand the chance. But that, yeah, does, that I mean, doesn't always happen. A, no, no, he's such a, a cool character, a very diminutive type character, but such a cool character as he goes around the table. He doesn't look like he's got a care in the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, they call him Mighty, Mighty Mouse. That's his nickname, <laughs> you know? Because, and how did he get yeah, that? But I tell you, and, well, I mean, it's just his height. He's quite small, but yeah. I tell you what, when he gets on that table, he's like a tiger, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but he's, uh, he's playing great stuff. And, you know, I didn't think he was going to be Higgins because he was, Talking up Higgins, he was his hero and he didn't care whether he won or lose just to play John Higgins in a, in a major quarterfinal. That didn't uh, sound too good that he was totally in awe, but he absolutely outplayed John Higgins yesterday. So he could do the same against Selby tonight, but Selby, as I said, is playing good stuff and he'd be full of confidence after beating O'Sullivan, you know. A great um, great uh, prize money for it. I think it's 125,000 to win yeah. and 60 or is it 50,000 for the runner-up. T- tell me, who do you see yeah. or who do you fancy to win it out? There's three to pick from now, obviously, Alan, Selby yeah, and Nanda. Yeah, I think Selby will win tonight. I think it'll be clo- closely fought and it'll be a closely fought final against uh, Alan. Uh, but Selby, just the way he played, I think, against O'Sullivan, it might, uh, of course, Selby beat Allen in, in last year's uh, yes. World Championship semi-final. They had a right grueler, 17-15, finished after 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but that would be a tough match on Sunday. I think Allen-Selby final would be, would be a better final and I think right. Selby might pick it but it'll be 10-8, 10-9, I'd say, you know. But it should be fantastic. I mean, the crowds here, we're back in the Telford International Arena here, uh, just outside Birmingham. Yes. The crowds have been fantastic. It was a sellout the last uh, three days, and it'll be a sellout again for t- tonight and tomorrow. Good stuff. Just flicking across mm. to the, the old Premiership, uh, our own club ain't going too good, but maybe we just might have a, a quick chat. And who do you fancy? I mean, there's yeah. a big run in here between City, Arsenal and, and Liverpool. And do Liverpool have any kind of an advantage with the fact that they're, you know, Arsenal and City are certainly trying to stamp a, their authority on the Champions League and Liverpool are not not at the same level in that? Well, maybe. Uh, but I'm sure they'll try and, you know, win that Europa League as well. Of course, yeah. it's going to be Klopp's last year. So I was a bit worried for Liverpool in a way that when Klopp mentioned that, uh, that he was going to retire, that it might sort of derail them. But it actually hasn't at all, you know. Now, I know they've had a few injuries, but they're playing good stuff. Uh, but I think it's going to be closely fought. There's a lot of big matches coming up between 
they've got to play Europa League, Arsenal and uh, and City, of course, their Champions League. That may take their toll on, on the the smaller squad that Liverpool have and Arsenal indeed. City a much bigger squad, of course. And I think that sort of plays into City's hands in a way. Uh, so I think I'm expecting a big run from City towards the end, you know. We'll just briefly talk about United, and I know both yeah. of us are. are big, I looked at an article last night. Now this might be exactly right, but it'll give you a flavour. Since since Pep Guardiola took over City over the last seven yeah. years, uh, Manchester City have accumulated six hundred and twenty-five Premiership points, and Manchester United have over one hundred and twenty points less in the same period of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. about eighteen eighteen don't. points less per season. That's a hell of a lot, like. Yes, but if you go to, back to the Alex Ferguson years and county many amount of points yeah. City would have had, you're an optimist, Ken. You're an optimist. Absolutely, I'm sure it would have been considerably less than 100 points that they're behind City at the moment. I'd say he might be a thousand points behind them. Yeah. But uh, now, listen, we're we're going through a bit of a stage. We had our good times through the Ferguson years. Uh, City are having their good times now through the to the Pep years, but I'm more optimistic now since uh, okay. Jim Ratcliffe has got his sort of teed into Manchester United and listened to him uh, on the podcast there during the week about you know his dreams and his hopes for yes. the future of the club, about building a new stadium and the investment, and particularly the investment at board level as well. So I think uh, you know this the, the future will be bright. It'll take a little bit more time. It yes. could take three years, uh, but I think. Uh, yeah, you have to be optimistic as a United fan. Good morning to you, Dan. Good morning, Sean, and uh, scrum off. I wish I could be out <laughs> off as well. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you? I, I'm very good. I'm very, very good. And and uh, I'm really looking forward to this game at two two fifteen. Um, I'm not an expert on rugby. That's why you're taking the questions. But I did look at the pack and I, and I saw Furlong, She and Porter and I said, mm, that'll be hard beaten. And then I looked at the back of the scrum and I saw Omni, Van der Fleer and Doris and I said, mm, that'll be hard beaten as well. Uh, how will we do today against uh, Warren Gatlin's Wales? Look, and just on those names that uh, that you've mentioned, you know, then you have to look at the bench as well. You yeah. know, and the guys coming on. So so I think it could be a long afternoon <laughs> for Wales. Uh, you know, although they've gone really well, uh, I think everybody expected them to be done quite well. They played a very good second half against Scotland and a very good first and, uh, assembled. Uh, but then, you know, they've actually done quite well. They played a very good second half against Scotland and a very good first half against England. Yes. But to stand any chance against Ireland, I feel... They'll have to produce 80 minutes of rugby, but I think the the Irish team, uh, you know, the players starting, the players coming off the bench, the way they play, uh, they they just in in form at the moment, and um, I I can see them winning comfortably. Yeah, and you'd have to say Andy Farrell for a drill in here, but that's probably the best game of rugby I saw this Irish team. When they were playing away to to France in the first game, we're kind of saying mm, we could be in for a drill in here, but. That's probably the best game of rugby I saw this Irish team playing. Yeah, look, I, I, I think I spoke to Reggie just before that game or after that game and, and so on. Um, I actually think Ireland didn't play as well as they could, okay. uh, you know, and and that actually gave all the positiveness towards the rest of the tournament, you know. Um, they made they made a few uncharacteristic uncharac- errors, you know, and... Um, 
Crawley came in for his first uh, game. Worry for the teams that's that's going to play against them. And um, this, this island team haven't reached their ceiling yet, and and that's a worry for the teams that's that's going to play against them. And um, you know, it's almost going back to the early 2000s or or late 90s when you went to Twickenham or went to England, and yes. you know, everybody's hoping, but. England were winning the five nations and six nations yes. uh, comfortably, you know. And I think Ireland is in that spot for the next number of years where where people actually, uh, you know, don't go with a lot of confidence playing against them because they know what's coming. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, life after Johnny Sexton. But but Jack Crowley, you know, I, know, I know Jack Crowley and, and Gibson Park didn't play together against Italy. But uh, that combination, do you see it winning? Um, and uh, how good is it? He, he really is a he's a driver of a team in the Johnny Sexton mold. Really taking his chances, even last year when he when he got the odd chance, he he really is a he's a driver of a team in the Johnny Sexton mold. Uh, not as not as good, obviously yet. But but what what strikes me about Crowley is I think there's a lot more freedom with the players around him as well. Sexton was a very demanding player. You know, and he demanded uh, success from everybody. But I think other players have stepped up now as well. And you could just see they they actually playing with smiles on their faces and and so on as well. You know, there's a there's a very focused group, but they also relaxed and 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 know what they about. You know, and I think. Uh, Crawley must take a lot of credit for that. Yeah, and if you were Warren Gatlin, and and you know, against Scotland as you as you earlier mentioned, and they were like two different young side, they're learning, etc. Can you see? I mean, I saw the second half against Scotland as you as you earlier mentioned, and they were like two different teams. I mean, I, I can't remember the score. Was it twenty seven, twenty six, or twenty eight, twenty seven? But yes. Scotland scored all the, their scores the first half, and and Wales the second half. What way would Wales or can they play today that they would curtail Ireland or keep the score down or give themselves a chance of winning? Look, as a coach, I think it's it's quite narrow margins. You know, if they won that game 27-26 and they beat England 16-14 rather than lose to England. So, um, and he has got an inexperienced side, but it's mixed with experience. Only, it's only three points that, that was in it in the two games. So, um, and he has got an inexperienced side, but it's mixed with experience. You know, Tompkins and North yeah. in the centres are, are two difficult guys to, to contain. And then their back row... Uh, rifle and um, Wainwright has been very good on the ball. So and so, I think they can they can cause island problems, um, but I don't see it being sustained uh, uh, for long periods. And Wales play a very direct game. As I say, you know, we would have had a different conversation if uh, one point went the under that. But but I wouldn't take Wales lightly. As I say, you know, we would have had a different conversation if. Uh, one point went the other way. So, um, but as as I say, I just think Ireland Ireland is superior in the attacking state stakes at the moment. Good. Well, I, I hope you're proved right, uh, Dan. Uh, I suppose the European game is on today: uh, England and Scotland. And Gregor Townsend, look at he'll be kicking himself that that try from for uh, against France at the end wasn't uh, given. Um, but that that should be a cracker of a game. Is going to be probably the one chase in Ireland uh, because Ireland still have to play both. Interesting from an Irish point of view, um, you know, whoever wins this game is is going to be probably the one chase in Ireland uh, because Ireland still have to play both England and Scotland. I think it's a very important game for both, you know, and I don't think England has won the first two games of the Six Nations for for a number of years. Yeah. Um, 
Again, back from past history, Scotland has won the last four Calcutta Cups, so they're probably going into this as favourites, you know. But Scotland, I think they threw the game away last week in the second half and allowed France to to have five or ten minutes of it. But I think they didn't stay, they didn't play the Scotland way in the second half and allowed France to to have five or ten minutes of a of a purple patch that ultimately cost them the game. So I think. I think Scotland must go back and and play Scottish rugby, which is good attacking rugby as well, and and uh, try and score tries against against England because I don't think they pack. England also picked uh, their experienced front row again, so I think up front uh, England might have the the. For Steve Borthwick, uh, it's important in the sense that you can only develop. He's going to be better, but uh, I think it's going to be a very close game for Steve Borthwick. Uh, it's important in the sense that you can only develop so long. You need results at some time. Yes. And for Gregor Townsend, it's really important as well because Scotland has been geared up as, you know, favourites for or one of the favourites for the tournament, even in the World Cup, you know, that they could have gone through the pool stages. Um, so they need back-to-back performances to, to really... Um, get people noticing them. So I think for them, if they win this game, then the Dublin uh, last game of the yeah. of the season could could be a real humdinger. But the same for England, you know, next week at Twickenham could could be the same if, if they win this one. Yeah, very, very true. And I suppose the, the, the team that I think have been the most disappointing is France and Fabien Galtier uh, won't be happy, but I suppose that they'll, they'll get over Italy. I mean, Italy have lost both games and I suppose over the last six or seven years have been struggling in the Six Nations, but uh, not to score against Ireland. They were they were beaten with a thirty six or thirty five nothing the, the last day. Uh, probably France should should do this comfortably, or, or would you disagree with me? Yes, no, I I think so. And again, you know, one point or two points makes a big difference because I think if France came out losers in in Edinburgh last week this could have been a very different game because the pressure would be really on them uh, then, you know, just out of ego as well that you can't lose three games in a row being a French team. You yes. know? But I think <laughs> by beating France, by their decision going their way, I think we'll see a bit of the French flair that we saw in the World Cup uh, coming through again. But last year was only 29-25. Yes. Uh, when the two teams played against each other, France won it right at the death. Italy, there's a lot of talk around the Six Nations. Is it a good competition with them in it? You know, so they've got a lot to prove as as always. Um, but I would see France winning, winning and winning comfortably. But then again, um, Italy's twenties beat France twenties last night. I saw that. So, I saw that. I saw that. So, so uh, you know, and they nearly beat Ireland. So there is a bit coming through. It's how they develop those players coming through. But um, I hope it's a contest because, yes. uh, you know, it's important that Italy does well uh, in the competition. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. Just And I, I, I hate harping or going, giving out about referees or that, but just go back to that last decision between France and Scotland. My understanding was the referee said the on-field decision was a try. But, but could he have seen it, whether it was a try or not? Because uh, or the on-field decision was held up, I think, was what, what his decision was. Um, but but he, couldn't, look, he couldn't be sure of it. Like, I mean, even the cameras between yeah, couldn't. There's so many things, you know, it's about the process and the question that they ask and so on. And I think that's what Townsend and, and so on was um, 
was cross about, you know, because the ref said it's a it's a try. He saw the ball on the ground, and then the TMO Brian McNeese said, yes. you know, there's no clear evidence that the ball is on the ground, and then the decision was made according to that. So I think that's that's what what got to Scotland, you know, is if the ref said, you know, he's not sure, but he's, the ball is on the ground. Uh, my opinion was that that it should have been given, yeah, but I, as I say, it's it's fifty fifteen in all of those calls, and and that's a process that that need to be better. You know, they must maybe get rid of the questioning approach again and let the ref, uh, you know, just let it go to the TMO yes, without yes. the ref pre uh, prejudging what what's happened. Yeah, and look, just last question then before we go. Uh, the the, the under-20s last night, um, Ireland were probably a slowish enough start um, at 10-3. It took a long time to, to put more scores on, but they certainly cleared out the Welsh in the end. A very, very comprehensive win, but there's some lovely guys coming through here as well. Ah, uh, look, it's what we're going to do with them. You know, it's now, I think it's now 25 out of 27 or 24 out of 26 Six Nations games that we've won. Uh, you yeah. know, so it, it, and that's probably why our national team is so good because there's always youngsters coming through. And for me, it's just what are we going to do with them? You know, um, because the Evan O'Connell, the captain, uh, you know, at a storming game last night, the centre pairing, uh, you know, the front row, the Wuka scoring tries for yes. fun. So, so there's 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 a lot of talent everywhere, and you know, kudos to. Um, to Richie Murphy since he's taken over and Noel McNamara and fairness before him they've done a great job in developing the the youngsters and uh, Irish rugby is in very good health at the moment Yeah I mean all these development squads and Leinsters and Munsters I mean they're, they're certainly producing the goods and, and uh, long may it continue uh, but are the other countries getting it wrong or are they just not don't have the right structures I know the Welsh certainly don't have the, the same kind of a structures we'd say we have with the four provinces here yeah, I think if you look at that, you know, uh, Italy has got sort of a national academy that, you know, that's probably why the under-20s are, are doing reasonably well or better than the seniors. Wales and Scotland, uh, or if we talk about Wales, there's no reason why Wales can't be. They've got good rugby schools and so on. But I think it comes down to to coaches, you know, yeah. and, and development pathways and so on. And I think they, you know, the RFU, Leinster, all the provinces, you know, the one province that probably lacks that if because they've also got good schools, you know, like Campbell College and RBIA yeah. and uh, so on, is Ulster. You know, Ulster, if you look at under-20 teams, under-18 teams, Ulster never really produced players in those teams. It's always Munster or Leinster. Yes. And, uh, and even in, in Irish under-18s, it's Connacht. So I think Ulster can improve in in that aspect, you know, bringing bringing more young players through, and maybe that's something for the good under twenty players now is that they must get maybe go to Ulster, you know, and and try and start their careers over there. We're now going to turn our attention to GAA, and I have the former Wexford hurler and All-Ireland winner in 1996 on the line, uh, Liam Dunn. Good morning, Liam. How are you? Good morning, Sean. I'm very well, thank you. That's good, that's good. Uh, 
Wexford hurling seems to be on the up if you're to believe some of the, the, the headlines winning the Walsh Cup and going to Nolan Park with a win I suppose what I really want to do is start shoot there uh, how do you see you know Keith Rossiter's team performing and they've leech in, 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 in the captain etc uh, how are they performing for the last uh, couple of weeks or maybe so far this year so far so good Sean to be honest with you you know we as you said said there we won the Welsh Cup um, I'd look on that a little bit differently look at it's great to win people were saying down in Wexford it's great to get a trophy in the cabinet and all now but um, you know you have to question the Welsh Cup in existence to be honest with you you know teams yeah. are putting out half teams fellas are not playing they're resting guys different things so you can use it, use the Welsh Cup as a team building process, really. But you know, it doesn't give you any real indicator coming into the league as well. Like, and you know, we we drew with Kilkenny in in the league. Well, that was a good so result. That was now. a good, yeah. It was a good result in Nolan Park. But we've, you know, over the last number of years, you know, Wexford have got the better of Kilkenny on a lot of occasions. So, but look at I suppose Sean against Offaly. You know, people would have been expecting us to beat Offaly. That yeah. didn't happen. And I think um, tomorrow is going to be a massive test for this Wexford team. Um, I think Clare are going to bring down. I think they're going to bring down the artillery with them. To yeah. be honest with you, <laughs> and and uh, you know they've a, they're, they're they're a battle hardened team. Clare, you know, I think they're up there with contenders to take Limerick's throne. If you know down the tracks, but like with Wexford, my fear for Wexford tomorrow, Sean, is yes. like we're without Liam Ryan, Connor McDonald, Rory O'Connor. Dermot O'Keefe, um, Limo McGovern, Matt O'Hanlon's in the subs. Yeah. Um, and without those guys, I think we're physically we're going to be under an enormous pressure tomorrow because we possibly have the smallest Wexford team or maybe the smallest senior inter-county hurling team taking the field tomorrow. Right. Now, I was a small man myself in my day, <laughs> but I, I, had a, I, had, I had a lot of big guys around me, to be honest with you. You had a big hurley. <laughs> but, well, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe the heart had a bit to do with it as well. I'm not true, sure now, but true, the, big, the big hurley got me into a bit of trouble. So I, think, but I, I, just, I just fear a little bit for, for Wexford tomorrow if Clare gets, gets, get a run on the murder. Yeah four or five points ahead of half time but I hope I hope I'm wrong and I hope the, Keith in fairness to him has given a lot of you guys opportunities but 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 my fear is that there's actually too many of them getting it at the one time when they're going to come up against a battle-hardened team like Clare I know and do, do, is there any that you see that he has unearthed one or two talent uh, among uh, the, you guys he, he has indeed um, you know Michael Foley is um, from Horswood now looks at a huge prospect as well you know but I suppose, Sean, just to go back there a few years as well, you know, we had a lot of guys there with Davey for five years. Yeah. Um, you know, and they were flogged to death, to be honest with you. Yeah. And out of that then, you know, with another outside manager came in for another two years and the same regime carried on. Yeah. And unfortunately, Keith is suffering now with these guys are getting mega injuries. Like, I'm with you. It's, yeah. taken us to, it's taken us toll on it. But So look, at it, it's a big challenge for Keith Rossiter. He's a club mate of mine and club man of mine so it's a big challenge ahead of him there but I suppose Sean you know at the end of the day it's the league at the moment and it, and for Wexford it's all about Dublin in the championship yes. down the road in yeah. Wexford Park that's the big one Spe- but we can talk about that later on we, in the year we will <laughs> and, and speaking of Dublin I, I mean Michal Dunahoo came in there an all-Ireland winning, winning manager with Galway in 2017 
what, what have you seen of Dublin so far? I mean, Chris Crummy is back, playing centre back, and and I think um, Owen O'Donnell was out the last day, and 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 I, I I think there's a few extra back as well. But what have you made of Dublin so far? Um, looking from the outside, I would be hugely impressed with Michal Donahue, and I, I mentioned Davy Davy there a few minutes ago. And I think the difference with Michal Donoghue, whether Michal Donoghue finishes up in 2024 or 2025 for Dublin, he's going to leave a hurling team behind him. Yeah. He's bringing a lot of young guys in, giving them opportunities. You know, I like the process of, of the way he's gone about his business as regards um, what he's putting, setting in stone for Dublin hurling. You know, he's an outside man. Sometimes they come in and they come in and they they flog what they have and yes. then they get out of there. Yeah. It's results results driven. But I think Michal Donahue did a fantastic job last year and people would go back to the Clare game, you know, where they got they got a beating to they be did. fair. But they did. you know, you were without Chris Cummy and, and Keen O'Callaghan wasn't available last year, you know, Liam Rush um, moved away, you know. They're they're big game players. You know, Donald Burke got injured against Clare after the first few minutes. That's I think Owen O'Donnell did. Ronan Hayes was missing as well. He got injured against Wexford in Crow Park. So like they were massive players for Dublin that were missing. But I just think, you know, the win against Antrim was a huge boost for Dublin. It was. You know, to win that game. And you're coming up against the All Ireland champions in Crow Park tonight and, and I think in fairness to Michal Donahue, you know, he stood up there and he's backed the players by Get, getting those massive games in Crow Park for the hurlers as well. Yeah. Um, but as you said, Chris Cummings back at centre back. You know, Ronan Hayes is back. Donald Burke is back. Yeah. And I suppose a guy that I've had great admiration for for a long, long time now, and he's been a magnificent servant to Dublin Hurland. Danny Sutcliffe is back again. Yeah, I see Danny's picked and, a corner forward. I think for tonight he is. You know, so like like um, Owen O'Donnell is still out injured. But I just think it's given Michal Donoghue an opportunity to look at players in different positions. And and a guy that I would be hugely impressed now, and he's moved at half forward, I think, with the brother Ronan. Is the brother of Ronan Hayes? I think it's Brian he Hayes. Is, yeah, Brian Hayes, yeah. He, yeah, he was excellent against forward. Antrim, wasn't he? He's been out middle of the field. Well, he's, he's, he's an engine on him there. That's just the sort of player that I like, to be honest with you. But, yeah. Um, Another player from the Dublin perspective over the last two or three years that I think has really blossomed as well, and particularly under Michal Dunahoo, is, is Conor Burke as well. And he's yeah. in the middle of the field there. So I, 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 from a Dublin perspective, Sean, and I'm only talking from an outside, I just think that whatever the result about tonight, you know, I just think the team that guys are getting game time again and Michal Donahue is picking his team over the league, putting the jigsaw puzzle together, getting it all ready for the championship. And I think that's that's what he's looking at at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, but I, I, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to the game later on there. Yeah, the, the, I think it's on TV. Because, yeah. Because I, I spoke about the artillery coming down from Clare. Well, well, Limerick are bringing Limerick are bringing them as well. So <laughs> I, I, I think I think I think I think it's a great game to look forward to now. It is, yeah. I see Dermot Bournes and 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 Kyle Hayes is playing and and Barry Nash. So so that'll be interesting for the Dublin forwards. The one thing. No, we, it's, it's, we, it's, 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 Brilliant for Dublin that the fact that those players, you know, and John Kiley's given Dublin the total respect that they deserve, and yeah. and, and it'll be a massive game. And Michal Donoghue will learn loads from tonight. He surely will. I have to ask you, and um, we can't get through all six games, but I've I've been looking at Cork and 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 they are playing uh, Waterford, which as you know is managed by Davy now. But this is a real relegation for Cork. Pat Ryan's team. You may be playing in one B uh, if you're a Cork uh, hurler next year because they lost the first two games. 
games um, away to Clare and, and home to Kilkenny where they didn't decide to play till the second half but um, what do you make of Cork so far and, and, and uh, over the, even over the last three years and are they going somewhere? Well I'm delighted, Sean. I'm not a manager anymore, to be honest with you. It's much easier from the other side of the fence, to be honest with you. But, like, like Liam Sheedy with Tipperary, and we're talking about Ryan from, from, from Cork, but the two of those managers were involved with, with minor under 20 and under 21, yeah. so they know all the players in their counties. Um, Pat Ryan will know exactly what he has there. But I'm a little frustrated looking at Cork, to be honest with you. I yeah. think they're playing this little short passing game that yeah. like, like Limerick have perfected. Yeah. But I don't think it, shoot, it suits the Cork style of play. Yeah. Um, I just think with the forwards that they have, you know, they're, they're good strikers off light, left and right. They're good at movement and all. And I think the quicker the quicker the ball or the slitter you can deliver into those guys, the more damage they're going to do. But I think this messing around and four, five, six, seven yeah. passes breaking down, I think is not helping Cork. And I, I loved him I loved him to go back to a more direct game really yeah. and get that get get the ball into the likes of Pat Horgan and all these these guys that they have you know, sharp sharp forwards that can do damage. Yeah. But I think they're 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 putting themselves under pressure at the moment in, in the system that they're trying to play, but I think Pat Ryan, to be honest with you, will rectify that as as the okay. year goes on. Yeah. But but it's a massive game as well because look at um, as you said, this, you're looking at relegation and Davies coming with Waterford um, yeah. and he's looking for results as well because he's under a bit of pressure as well down there, to be honest he, with you. He surely is. And, and, and uh, I, I'll get you to call that game because we're, we're going to run short of time here. Do, do you see Cork having the home advantage? Will they get over Waterford? Uh, I think they will, to be honest with you. Okay. I, I, just think, like, I just think Pat Ryan, he knows what he has, he knows what his team is about. He knows all the players as well. Yeah. He just needs to to let him go and express themselves rather than 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 having uh, I suppose a micro manager trying to trying to get everything right. Yeah. Let the players hurl off the cuff a little bit. I think <laughs> you see the best of car. Liam, as always, thank you so much for for, for your time this morning. I I think I've done you out of a run around somewhere in Waterford or Wexford this morning, and I do apologise for that. But we will get you on again and and get your view when when the championship comes around. Thank you so much for joining us on on, on radio this morning. Great, Sean. Thank you very much. That's uh, Liam Dunn, uh, uh, All Ireland winner, nineteen ninety six with 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 Wexford there, and interesting his views on his own team. That that you know, there's a bit of work to be done there. Now, there's no ladies football on on this weekend, but it, it's we have to acknowledge um, last week's ladies um, results. Uh, nobody gave Armagh a chance, uh, including myself, uh, going down to uh, Cork, and uh, they got a result down in Cork. Uh, and they had Armagh had a huge result um, last weekend. They went down to Dunboyne and Mead and beat Mead very, very well, two twelve to eight or nine points. So, hats off to um, the Armagh ladies. Uh, Mick Bohan on the Dublin side will be delighted as well. Uh, Dublin got their second win, albeit uh, only by a point against a Galway team. Now, as for the men, we're going to uh, talk uh, all things uh, National League football. Uh, we should have Brian Talty on the line there. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Sean. How are you? I'm very good, Brian. I'm very good. You're, good. you're at home today rather than being in Limerick, are you? There's an advertisement every time Dublin and Kerry come up and, and the ad says something like, what is it about Dublin and Kerry? Well, I'm asking Brian Talty this morning, what is it about Dublin and Kerry? That should be a cracker tonight in Croker, Brian. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, I suppose the thing is that Kerry and Dublin have won so many all Ireland, Sean, you know, and they've put up great performances in Crow Park and they're huge rivals. So uh, I think that's probably the big thing. But yeah, it should be a cracker in Crow Park and uh, we're all looking forward to it. And how do you how do you see it going? I mean, uh, I haven't seen the Dublin football team and, and, and we did say last week that, you know, Kerry are, they're certainly taking some of these games serious and, and um, you know, you'd kind of half fancy them or would you? Um, look, I thought the Dubs played really well the last day, you know, and um, I'm expecting a big performance from them today. You know, I think during the week was a sad week for Dublin, you know, yeah. with the, the funeral of Shane O'Hanlon. One of the things that was said at the funeral is that Shane loved getting one over on the Kerry lads, so hopefully <laughs> it'll motivate the lads to put on a huge performance today. But, but um, yeah, Kerry have a very, very strong panel, and it looks like their championship panel. Now, they're, they're actually finding a few fellas as well. They have to do something about their middle of the field, you know. So Joe O'Connor, Dermot O'Connor is is a big one for them today against Brian Fenton and, and probably a coffee burn, you know. So yeah. uh, they need to get a midfield. So that this will be the big test for them today, see how they come out of it. They, they are two really good footballers, but they've also found one or two forwards which they needed as well, you know, to back yeah. up the Cliffords and Shawnee O'Shea. So like uh, Dylan Geeney is coming in there playing really well at centre forward and, and then the guy I like is Killian Burke. He's big, he's strong, playing at wing forward and it looks as if Kerry are looking for a wing forwards like the likes of Paul Flynn for Dublin yeah. you know so uh, they're finding those and they look as if they have a you know it's nearly their championship panel and their championship team out there they'll, they'll test the Dublin full back line and they'll test any full back line in sure. the country sure. with the likes of Sean O'Shea in there and the Cliffords you know so um, that'll be an interesting one and it'll be an interesting one to see how the rookie uh, full back line of Dublin do yeah. like the Sean yeah. McMahons and these fellas are, are going really well you know so yeah. a big test for them and it'll be interesting to see how it goes no, no, but, no. Knowing the the Kerry lads, they, they they might say, you know, uh, I remember years ago the, the the Kerry forwards decided to pick the Cork full back by playing badly on them. So there might be a bit of shenanigans going on with the Kerry forwards saying, let's pick the worst of these backs and let them play well. You you wouldn't know these Kerry lads what they'd be up to, you know. <laughs> Come here, you're I want to ask you about, about the cute horses. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you about your own county. Um, I know yeah. you're missing Comer and Shane Walsh, two big forwards. But uh, you had a great result, Galway did um, last week up in Tyrone. Uh, they're up against it this week um, against Mickey Hart's Derry team. How will that go? Will Parik Joyce? So obviously, he'd be happy with the result last week. It gives them three points because they, they got a point against Ross Common as well. But how do you see the Galway Derry game going, Brian? Listen, I'd be a bit worried for Galway now, to be honest with you. I mean, Derry are the top team in the country at the moment. You know, they're they're so strong all over the field. Like you saw the last day, three of their halfbacks came up and scored goals. You know, so uh, I'd be very worried. You know, with the the class around the middle of the field of, you know, Rogers and Glass in the middle of the field are going to cause huge problems there as well. But the big puzzle for Galway, really, I mean, lots lots of players out. I mean, Galway have seven or eight yeah. of their top players out. Not alone that. Sean they lost uh, Matthew Tierney and Paul Conroy the last day so that's another two gone you know so interesting to see what call with team but the positive is that the young fellas have got to get a run and I suppose down the line it's later on in the year that's more important so it's important for Galway to, to build a squad and they've brought on a few good young fellas now uh, and hopefully they get a good performance the next day I'd be a bit worried uh, against this Derry team they're just they're, they're the top team as I say in the country at the moment yeah. and I could see them winning winning the game well but I'm 
just hoping that the young lads get a good a good performance out of them uh, and, and then later on in the year hopefully we'll have all those other guys back Yeah and you know uh, you'd say that maybe Derry were, were going off in a sprint when it's a marathon but with Mickey Hart he, he's going to be clever enough to know that fine the league is the league but, but he'd be concentrating on trying to win three, three Ulster championships back to back now at this stage yeah, absolutely, but Mick, Mickey's a very experienced man, but like Mickey goes out to win every single game, and you can see they're the only team that have come out to say they want to win the league this year. Everybody is humming and hawing about the league, you know, like Mayo won the league last year, beating in the first round of the championship, that kind of stuff, so they're afraid to peak a little bit too early, you know, so, yeah. um, but Mickey goes to win every game, and this dirty team, you know, if they can sustain it, they're going to be a big threat this year. Yeah, and uh, the one game uh, we've two games left to cover, but I want to cover the relegation one first. <laughs> Davy Burke was very, very disappointed last week after the Dublin game. You could see it. Uh, they're only one point now. Monaghan did themselves no favours, although they're two. Their goal average <laughs> must be minus twenty or something because they got a right hide in the last day against Derry. Ross Common at home to Monaghan. Vinnie Curry's two points. Funny enough, is, is against Dublin in Crow Park. Uh, how would you see this one going, Brian? Well, their performance in Crow, Crow Park was outstanding, you know, and the, the power and the pace of their forward line and the way they took Dublin on it. Dublin weren't really ready for that game, to be honest with you, but Monaghan have a lot of really good footballers. Now, they're actually playing without three of their all-stars. Conor McCarthy isn't playing, Began isn't playing, uh, Conor McManus isn't playing, you know, so mm. they're playing without three three really good lads, but they're finding some really good forwards and they're finding pacey forwards. The other issue for them, I, I think against Dublin, Michael Brannigan was centre-forward and played yes. brilliantly against Dublin. Uh, he's been out for the last few games so yeah look they're up against the Derry team the last day they're absolutely flying but this game is important for them both of these teams need the points you know we're on to the final leg of the hurdle as they say and we're on to soccer and football with uh, Alan Cawley of Cawley's Call uh, good morning Alan how are you? I'm great Sean yourself? I'm very, very good, Alan. I, I, I said to myself, what did we talk about here this morning? But I, I think you were at the Shells Rovers game last night, were you? I was, Sean, yeah. There's um, probably only one place to start. <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, I was following it and, and uh, whatever Damien Duff said to him in the dressing room, anyway, they come out, missed the penalty, scored two two goals, uh, Kyle and Jarvis, and then went in at half time, and then Rovers seemed to be all over them for the second half. Would that be a fair assessment of it? Yeah, in summary, that's probably a fair assessment, Sean. Yeah, it was a brilliant game. Yeah. Um, obviously, a huge crowd as well. Brilliant atmosphere. And as you said, the Damien Duff factor as well, going up against Shamrock Rover, Stephen Bradley, the champion. So, huge interest in the game. Only the second game into the season as well. But um, they started brilliant, Shelburne. They got an early penalty, as you said. They missed the penalty, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but then they scored not long after. Mark Coyle with a great goal. Mm. and then they went two up but Jarvis got a brilliant goal and a poor defending from Shamrock Rovers and all of a sudden Shelburne are in dreamland or two nil yeah. up after probably 25 minutes half an hour and fully deserved as well Sean because yes. um, Shamrock Rovers were very very poor in that early stage of the game then they were forced into a change with Graham Burke having to come on for Sean Hoare injured okay. um, and they went with an attacking sub because obviously they were two nil down uh, because Burke's a forward player where Sean Hoare obviously a defender and Burke completely changed the game and got, Shel- got Shamrock Rovers playing uh, they were pushing hard towards the end of the first half and he was unlucky himself with a great effort Burke but then they scored early in the second half and it set it up lovely I suppose for us for a brilliant second half and they pushed and pushed but Shelburne held out played really well defensively in that second half had the call on the keeper a couple of times 
Yeah. Connor uh, Cairns pulled off two or three great saves towards the end, as you'd expect with Shamrock Rovers pushing. Yeah. But they held out and, and um, they, could, they could have scored a couple of themselves, I suppose, on the counter-attack as well. Uh, Poles pulled off a couple of good saves towards the end for Shamrock Rovers as well. So overall, it was a brilliant game and you probably would say Shel- Shelburne probably just deserved it for that, right. I suppose, uh, strong start, even though Shamrock Rovers did come back into it. But it was a really good night for, for Shelburne and Damien Duff and Talca Park, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and it's great for Shells. I mean, they, they, they drew, I think, the first game with Waterford as well. So he's he's off to a very good start. And I know you've been bullish about Rovers and, and OK, they, they didn't start very well last year and still won won the league. I mean, you're still in the, the same view after last night's match? Yeah, and that's... Yeah, that, yeah, that, those bullish comments, maybe I might just pull, pull, pull them back a little bit, Sean. But no, I still would be. And um, you can't be going changing your, your view after only a couple of games. And no, that's true. There's big play... They've big players to come back as well, to be fair. You know, Burke came on last night and he was absolutely brilliant. Still have Jack Byrne in the stand, Aaron McIniff. Towell is back on the bench last night, but uh, they still have a lot of options to call on. So I don't think there's any panic buttons being pushed in Tala just no, yet. No. As you say, the went through a similar start. Now, it's not ideal. I'm sure Stephen Bradley is looking at it thinking we didn't want this and obviously they wanted to get off to a winning start, but I don't think there's any panic buttons being pushed just yet. No, that's for sure. And the other Dublin Derby then, uh, Pat's at home to, to both. Uh, Declan Devine would be delighted to get one over on, on Jen Daly particularly having lost the, the FAI Cup final Yeah I'd be over the moon because um, I suppose you look at the start that Bose had last week 2-2 and um, at home to Sligo scoring the late goal so I wouldn't say there was pressure on them but going away if they had to lose again that would have only been one point out of six uh, from two and again not an ideal start but to go away from home against St. Pat's who everybody is calling title challengers and I would myself uh, to win away from home in any Dublin derby is, is a good night but that certainly after only two games in and I think I, I, I listened to the interview with Declan I saw the penalty they scored a penalty Flores and I listened to the interview and he was very impressed with just the resilience they showed and the character and uh, they stood up to whatever path threw at them. So yeah, really good good win for Bohemians as well. That's good. And and uh, if I could just switch, the, the ladies had a big uh, batch yesterday. Last time you and me spoke, probably last October, November, uh, about it, you, you know, the, the results on the ladies' side were very good, but but the the, the opposition wasn't as good. Uh, a, a nil all draw away to Italy, albeit a friendly, a, a very, very good uh, result for Eileen Gleeson, would it? Yeah, yeah, good start in terms of, I suppose, playing against higher opposition. As you see, I think they're ranked 10 places above us. So it right. uh, just goes to show, yeah, um, I suppose, um, like the, the quality you're up against. So going away from home as well to get a nil-all draw, I think it's a good result. I didn't see any of it now, Sean, because yeah. I was down, um, obviously, at the, the game in Shelburne. And, but I didn't um, I didn't catch the game myself. But again, it's a good result, as you say, for Eileen. And it just keeps that little run and the momentum going that she had built up. Absolutely, and 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 on a general question, I mean, the sense that there seems to be good dynamics there, and everybody's happy, and that's a really good climate and atmosphere to have to to do some work with with, with people and develop them. Yeah, of course, in any environment, Sean, in any in any workplace, you want to have good dynamics, good good um, camaraderie between everybody, and as you say, that's certainly the way it looks from the outside looking in and obviously we, we heard the reports after the World Cup it didn't seem it didn't appear to be that during the World Cup for whatever reasons and obviously that's the whole reason Eileen got the opportunity and yeah. got the job because Vera was moved on so uh, since she's come in that's all the sound bites that's coming out of the camp that it's very good and harmonious and um, it is a good base to build build things on if you want to be successful so hopefully that remains and, and they can keep progressing and doing well yeah, I suppose cross-channel now, but but more so we'll say the Champions League. Um, I'd be very interested in your view on this. Arsenal versus Porto. 
Um, did did Arteta kind of get his strategy wrong playing Porto away because he got he got a signal the very last kick of the game to to lose the game one nil? Yeah, it was a signal. I was watching the game myself, Sean, and and any time you score, you concede a goal, it, it's disappointing. But as you say, to to concede one so late on is a signal away from home after them. They played okay. They weren't they weren't their blistering best as they've been in the Premier League. But the Champions League is a step up, and obviously you're going away from home as well against the, I suppose a bit of a hostile atmosphere in Porto. So. I thought they were managing the game quite well and they probably would have been happy with nil all, but they did get caught with that sucker punch and it just makes things a little bit harder in the second half. But I still think they'll be fine. I think they'll come through uh, at home. I, I think they've enough quality to beat Porto at home. Yeah, and th- that was the view I had. I, I think if they actually went and, and, and went after mm. the game away to Porto, the, the point I'm trying to make is that they could have come home and, and had to tie over because, no, I, I could be wrong here, but I wasn't terribly impressed with Porto. No, and I've watched a few games in the Champions League and I wasn't terribly impressed with a lot of them. I'm actually going over to the second leg myself, Sean, of oh, the um, yeah. Barcelona-Napoli game and I watched that the other night and again, that wasn't of the quality you would expect. I know the clubs are going through a bit of a transitional period, if you like, but bar probably Man City, Real Madrid, I'd even put Arsenal into that. To me, there's only three or four that can really win the Champions League yeah. this year. I can't I can't really see past those couple of clubs um, and the likes of a Porto and uh, Napoli and all, I can't see any of them challenging or being anywhere near it, which is disappointing because when you get down to the, the business end of things and the knockout stages, you'd like to think you have maybe five or six teams, but it's still City to me and Real Madrid and, and you can't look past that, you know? Yeah, and, and, and I think everybody is saying that. And, and uh, But from, 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 from a City point of view now, and I would agree, by the way, they won 3-1 away um, got a late mm. goal as well to make it f- fairly comfortable. So look, they're going to. We, we know they'll make the, the last eight. But a question I have for you: Are they suffering with their performances in the Premiership? I mean, they were home to Brentford. I think what, did they go seventy-five minutes without scoring? But no, until Hallan got the, got a goal where he was kind of well, could have been caught offside, but he wasn't, uh, and just side footed the ball past the goalie. They don't seem to be firing on all cylinders from from what I'm looking at when they play the Premiership. Yeah, I, I, we're nitpicking probably, Sean, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Like, when you, if you look back at the record since the Club World Cup, like, it's phenomenal the amount of wins they've had. So, yeah. um, I know the Chelsea match there, obviously, they had a, but, but again, the worry for me is if they weren't creating the chances and they weren't, they weren't creating, or if they weren't creating them, you had the problems then. But I think Haaland had about nine or ten chances and it was just an off night for him. I know he got the goal in against Brentford, but... Yeah, I think I, I think we're set up for a brilliant title race because of City at the moment and Arsenal and Liverpool. Three unbelievable teams, yeah. Sean. And I hope I hope it stays like this right up until the end because we're in for a treat then if we can have three of them uh, firing on all cylinders going into that last probably five or six weeks and them all in with a chance to win it. So I wouldn't be too I wouldn't be too <laughs> concerned about City just yet. I t- I still think that's, that that record is is fairly good, Sean. That that's coming from a Manchester United fan. Don't mind me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, well, I'd be United too. Sometimes you have to suck it up, but I think you do. He's done an unbelievable job. Now people would say, "Oh, well, look, he's he spent the fortune." You still have to manage them, and you do. I watched him recently against Spurs, Sean, and believe me, in the flesh, they're absolutely phenomenal. You know, yeah. And no matter yeah. what money spent, you still have to put a shape and a structure on them, and you're still dealing with big egos in a dressing room, and yeah. You still have to manage all that. It's not just kind of the football end. And yeah. he does an unbelievable job at that Guardiola. I wouldn't be a fan of him in the interviews, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I um, wouldn't either. I don't, yeah. Think he's, I don't think he's a great loser. And who is, I suppose, but mm. he's certainly not. And then I can, I find he can be a little bit disrespectful towards the media as well yeah. uh, at times. But in terms of the football side and the coaching and, and what he's produced as a manager, 
like he's, yeah. he's the number one yeah and just, just Liverpool then to, to, to finish the, the, the interview um Right, Klopp announced that he's going. Um, a lot of teams would say, "Well, that's grand," but they seem to be gathered around him and and uh, going all. And will they have some sort of an advantage? I know they're playing the Europa Cup, but will they have a little bit more of an advantage? The fact that they're not playing the Champions League in these high-caliber games, where the two other main contenders going for the title are. Yeah, potentially there could be a little a little edge there because as you said, if you're the Champions League is elite quality, and if you're going high-pressure games on the Wednesday night, but even looking at the game during the week, the, the Europa League, the likes of AC Milan are still in it and uh, they could get to the latter stages with Liverpool as well. So any any European game or any game that you're playing during the week and then you have to go again at the weekend can be tough. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>